If you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, uh, that's going to be the introduction to our lesson uh, this evening. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. So uh, before we begin, I need you to get out your lights. So we're going to sing this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, okay? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine all the time, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine all the time, let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine all the time. Let it shine. Thank you, Harrison Gibbs. He was really letting his light shine. Thank you. So I, I, we sang that uh, this morning at uh, Flat Top, and there were 10 of us total. And I told anybody who didn't have their light up was going to have to come up there and sing it with me, and everybody had their light up. So maybe I should have threatened that tonight. So Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It's interesting to me that it doesn't say shine your light. It says let your light shine. So, you know, several places in the Bible were warned about uh, shining our light by drawing the attention back to ourselves. But the attention here really goes back to the Father in heaven, doesn't it? The title of our lesson this evening is Make Your Mark. There are certain characteristics or marks, if you will, that the Christian is supposed to have in his or her life every day. And we make our mark to the world by showing those characteristics in our life as a Christian. In Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 15, if you'll turn over to Matthew chapter 7, uh, we're going to read five verses there. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 15 through 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. We talk about these fruits we talk about the fruits of the Spirit. We talk about these things in the Bible. And we need to understand that all of those fruits of the Spirit and all those fruits that the world knows us by needs to be in our life as a Christian every day. By us bearing good fruit, 
The world sees that good fruit and ultimately they see God in us. And that sparks their interest to be part of that, part of God's family, part of the love of God that we as Christians should portray to one another certainly, but also to the world. When you look at a Christian, you should be able to distinguish them between the righteous and the unrighteous by the fruits that they bear. By the fruits that they show in their life. The things that they do make them recognizable. And more important, the results of their work stand out. Not to glorify them, but ultimately to glorify the Father in heaven. Just as we talked about there in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. By your fruits they will know you. Because we want to be the proper example to one another, we older Christians to younger Christians and the like, the younger Christians to the older Christians, we all together come together to glorify, to edify, and to exhort one another to keep on with the life of a Christian so ultimately we can receive that home in heaven. We consider one another and we uplift one another. In past sermons that we've that uh, that I've taught and and others have taught, we've talked about the characteristics of the wicked, those that are separate and apart from God, the unrighteous, those who do whatever feels good, or those who go contrary to what God's word says they should do by by stealing or or using foul language or or sinning in any multiplicity of uh, different ways. And all of those things show that person to be unrighteous because those fruits they bear are bad fruit. But we as Christians continuously let our light shine. We continuously strive to make the mark of bearing the proper fruit in our life. So our point number one then tonight is, by their fruits you shall know them. By their fruits, you shall know them. Our point number two this evening is Christians have righteous characteristics. Notice, if you will, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. The fruit of the Spirit. Christians have righteous characteristics. Those that we need to share with one another and those that we need to share with the world. In Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22, we see the product of the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ, those who belong to Christ... Have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Our Christian walk, our Christian path, if you will, the road that leads to heaven should be noted by those around us because we're bearing the fruit of the Spirit. We are living the life of a Christian and following the strict path that God has laid out for us. 
Number one there, it mentions love. A devoted love, a love that gives even when it's not returned. And we can see the definition of that love in, in places in the Bible like 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. And we note there, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Or your King James Version may say charity. But the greatest of these is love or charity. Our love for God can be seen in us walking the Christian life. Our love for one another can be seen in the life that we as Christians live. It is a devoted love, devoted to God's word, devoted to those things that God wants us to do. And because we love God, and God is love, he dwells in us through his word, and we meditate on that word and make it the light in which to guide us on our path to heaven. Number two, joy or happiness or a calm delight. Do you ever like to be around someone who's not joyful, who's not happy? If you ever are around someone who's not joyful or happy, how long does it take to bring down your mood? It doesn't take very long, does it? So we surround ourselves with fellow Christians who are joyful and who are happy about being a Christian. Are you happy about being a Christian? If you aren't, you should be because the ultimate sacrifice was made for us by our Father in heaven by sending His only Son to die on a cruel cross so that we can have joy and happiness knowing that one day we'll receive that home in heaven. Number three, peace. A quietness that comes from harmony with God and man. It's the opposite of war. We as Christians should have peace with one another. Have you ever been in a situation in a, in a congregation uh, where um, people just didn't get along? Aren't you glad we don't have that problem here? I'm thankful for that. That we get along and that we're peaceful to one another. And that we're in harmony and keeping with God's word. And encouraging one another through our joy and happiness. And contentment with being a Christian and doing the very best that we can. We're helping one another. We're peaceful with one another. Number four, the fruits of the Spirit is patience. Long-suffering. The willingness to endure. It is shown by God towards us and giving us many opportunities to turn from sin. You think about it. I, I think about this. I think about how patient God is with Brian. And you can insert your name there. How patient is God with you? We know to do right. We know not to sin. We know to stay away from those unrighteous or wicked things that Satan wants us to participate in. But yet sometimes we go back to those things and we sin again. But we can approach the throne of grace and mercy of God and ask for forgiveness of those sins every time we commit them. For God knows that the Christian's not going to be sinlessly perfect but that we strive to live and walk to the best of our ability to be pleasing to God. God is patient with us. And therefore, we as Christians should also be patient with one another. 
When we have our brother or sister that is struggling with some type of sin, when we have our brother or sister that's struggling with something in their life, we should be an encouragement to them. We should have patience with them just as God has patience with us. It is needed by us to deal with the shortcomings of our fellow men, but also for our own shortcomings. Number five, kindness, a gentle person who is kind and good. Those are the kind of people we like to be around as well, aren't they? Those people who are kind and good. We've used the adage before, that person is so good and kind, they would give you the shirt off their back. And I have no doubt there are many in this congregation who would do just that and probably have. Number seven, faithfulness. A person of conviction who has his faith, his trust, and his confidence in God. It also refers to a person who is reliable and trustworthy. We as Christians should be wonderful employees to our employer. We should be wonderful to one another. When we say we're going to do something, we should make every effort to do exactly what we say we're going to do. If you're like me and have a forgetful mind, you'll forget to do things sometimes that you say you will. And hopefully your brothers and sisters will understand that. And they'll encourage you to keep on being reliable and trustworthy to one another. Number eight, gentleness. A gentle, humble person. He's the opposite of a hot-tempered man. We could probably think of many people that are gentle. I always think of my grandfather who was a gentle man. Who, when he gave you a hug, you just... You just felt that in your heart for the love that was passed on from him. Someone who is gentle. We as Christians should be gentle with one another. Not only patient, not only kind, not only good, but gentle with one another. And understanding that the life of the Christian is not always an easy one. And not always one that we walk perfectly but one that we should love one another and strive to live as good as we possibly can. Number nine, self-control. This is the one that gets us in trouble, isn't it? We have to have self-control, a person able to control his desires. Sometimes that means we need to stay away from things that we know are a temptation to us. All of us have different temptations. All of us have things that really draw us in and tempt us worse than maybe our brother or sister in Christ. But we as Christians need to stay away from environments and situations that will cause us to stumble. Sometimes that means picking your friends wisely. Sometimes that means picking other company and staying away from people who cause you to stumble. Those aren't always easy decisions to make, are they? And sometimes that may even be a family member, a blood family member in our life that causes us to stumble. So we have to strengthen ourselves by limiting our interaction with that individual and be positive and prepare ourselves for when we will be around them to stay away from the sin and the desires that they tempt us with. Those who have peace, Produce righteousness by spreading 
peace. Turn, if you will, over to James chapter 3, beginning in verse 17. We'll read 17 and 18 here. James chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. We should make peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ. In Psalms chapter 111 in verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We fear what God can do for us out of respect, not out of a fear that He's going to punish us even if we're striving to do what's right but out of fear and reverence and respect that we should have with our Father in heaven. It is the source of our strength, the character, and the fountain of life. Proverbs chapter 14, verses 26 and 27. For the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and His children will have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. We have the fountain of life. We have God's word in its entirety to help us along our way. To help us strive to live the life that we should as a Christian. But Malachi chapter 3 and verse 16 also tells us of another characteristic speaking often to one another. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. We as Christians are to meditate on God's name and on his word and make application of that word in our lives. The reason that we gather together is to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, and to admonish one another. In Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 24, we read, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. We always talk about how that it is important for us to gather together. But we never need to leave out that verse before it in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. Where we are considering one another. We are exhorting one another. We're uplifting one another. And we also do that for this very reason. We sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to admonish and exhort one another. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Ephesians chapter 5. And verse 19. So our singing is part of our admonishment to one another. Yes, we understand that God is the subject of our worship. He is the object of our worship. And we are to sing to Him praises of joy and happiness for the sacrifice that He has made for us. But yet we admonish and teach one another when we sing. 
And we're promised that one day when we get to heaven, we'll continue in that singing. The wonderful singing to the creator of all things. We as Christians produce fruit when we meditate on the word of God. Psalms chapter 1 beginning in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall never wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. What a wonderful encouragement we can gain from God's word. Just keep on keeping on. Even sometimes when you feel like you can't keep on. Reach out to a brother or sister in Christ to encourage you to keep on fighting the good fight. To continue the race. To finish the course. Christians are courageous. Psalms chapter 46 tells us. The source of our courage is in our Lord. The source of our courage is in our going and putting on the whole armor of God. In fighting the good fight of faith. Everyone will see we are Jesus' disciples by our love for one another and how we care for one another. In John chapter 13, beginning in verse 34, it reads this, And a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. How do we show our love for one another? We don't say it by we don't do it by backbiting, by gossiping, by running down our brother or sister in Christ to try to make ourselves look better. We don't do it in any of those ways. We do it by showing our love and care for our brother and sister in Christ. We do it by encouraging one another to live the life of a Christian. That's why we choose where to worship. We choose where to worship because we want to find people who can help us get to heaven one day. So it's a very important decision that we as Christians make. Our love for each other shows whether or not we love God. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar and he does not love his brother whom he has seen. How can he love God whom he has not seen? Our love for God and our love for his word, our love for one another is such a biblical principle and important to our life as a Christian. We as Christians are different, aren't we? The Bible even tells us that we're different. In 1 Peter chapter 4 beginning in verse 3, For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation. 
speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was also preached to those who are dead, and they might be judged according to the men in flesh, but living according to God in the Spirit. You know, it's interesting if you go back up there to verse 4 of 1 Peter chapter 4. In regard, in regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them. Do you remember when you were a teenager and your parents used to say, or maybe your grandparents or some, someone that you looked up to in your life, they would always say, be careful who you run with. Be careful who you hang out with. Because that is going to be a commentary as to what type of person you are. You know, where we were always warned if we were uh, with a friend in the store and that friend was about to, to steal something, we were guilty by association, weren't we? So we always had to choose our friends wisely. And we always had to choose the situations that we were in wisely. People often do not understand us as Christians. In Acts chapter 26 and verse 24, Now as he, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. It's interesting that even back then people thought that Paul, that Christ... And others who portrayed to be doing the will of God were crazy. And guess what? They think that today. They think that today. That we as Christians are living according to a book that was written many, many years ago. Inspired by God. They don't understand that. That we must be crazy. You know, I read a very sad article on the internet yesterday about this, the state of California. Now, we won't even have, we can do a whole sermon on the state of California, okay? But this, this one article was, was sad to me. It said that uh, they were trying to, in the state of California, to write a new law that says that any book, any literature, anything that talks bad or will try to portray, uh, portray someone to have a specific sexual orientation that those books or literature should be banned. Now we have this thing in the United States of America called the Constitution. And if I remember correctly, the very first amendment of that Constitution says that we have a freedom of speech. And we have a freedom of religion. Now if that law were to pass, what implications would that mean for the Bible in the state of California? I pray that Christians speak up and never let something like that happen in the world in which we live. Jesus was treated no differently. In John chapter 10 and verse 20 and 21, they thought he was crazy too. But you know what? He is our Savior. He is God in the flesh. And we're going to follow him all the way to heaven because he is at the right hand of God as we speak, interceding for us 
our advocate with the Father. Our last point this evening is if we do not produce results, we as Christians will be removed. In Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 6, Christ speaking here, he said, He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that, you can cut it down. God has patience with us, but he expects us as Christians to bear fruit. Sometimes we have to dig a trench around ourselves And sometimes we have to fertilize ourselves. And the best way to do that is through the knowledge of God's word and putting it in your heart and applying it to your life. That is our fertilization, our food for being a Christian and bearing fruit. We as Christians have to continuously strive to bear the fruit that God wants us to bear. Fruit is not just for the young and vigorous. In Psalms chapter 92, beginning in verse 13, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. We can retire from our secular jobs, can't we? But we can never retire from being a Christian. We may not always be able to do the things that we did when we were younger as a Christian, but certainly there are other things that we can continue to do. We can make phone calls. We can text. We can send cards. We can give a pat on the back or a hug and a smile to let our brothers and sisters in Christ know that we are there for them and we will continue to encourage them. So we ask this question at the close of our lesson. Are you, as a Christian, fruitful? Are you producing the fruit that the Christian should be producing by looking at God's word? Does your life measure up to what God expects of you? Do you bear the marks of a Christian? Do we have gentleness and goodness and self-control, love in our hearts for one another and for God? Because by our fruits, we will be known. There may be some here this evening who have never responded to the Lord's invitation. The love of God is yours and can be seen all around you by wonderful Christians who would love to support you and encourage you to bear those fruits of a Christian. You must hear the word of God. Believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Repent of your sins. Stop sinning on purpose. Have that change of mind. 
Confess with the mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and be buried in a watery grave of baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. If you already are a Christian and you've sinned publicly and need to repent of that publicly, then certainly we stand open heart and open mind to help you with that. Or if you just simply need the prayers and thoughts of your brothers and sisters in Christ, whatever your need may be this evening, we offer you an invitation to come forward as together we stand and as we sing.